Okay. Uh, welcome to the latest edition of the Dan and Omar show. Um, it always sounds a bit weird saying that, to be fair, but um, it is a show, I guess, of sorts. And um, yeah, we're uh, delighted to be joined today by um, Essenshaw, the founder of um, fantastic agency, commercial and brand agency, an athlete agency that um, I've had the pleasure of working with for, S is it now maybe five, six years that we've worked yeah. together for a bit on various things. Um, and what we thought we would do today, just because it's, I find it quite useful, obviously, to try and get some guests on, so it's not just me and uh, Omar that you're uh, you're hearing twenty four seven. Was just to, as we sort of progress the show, is to get some more guests on to give some more industry insight on a variety of different things. And S and myself and Omar were chatting um, beforehand in a bit of prep as to you know a lot of our stuff. Omar has been more. Um, on-field um, data, sort of stats, and obviously all the regs and the rules that um, that I get involved in. And we thought it would just be quite useful to break up that chat with a little bit more off-field player brand-related work. So we thought that that would be a nice um, interlude from our usual uh, conversations. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, yeah, and, and as Liverpool fans, it's better to move off the field where in the Deloitte Money League they're, they're ranked pretty highly recently from, from on the field which obviously hasn't gone so well in the last few weeks um, but yeah I'm, I'm really interested in this in this kind of topic of um, you know off the field I think um, it's probably a probably a massively misunderstood area from from what I've gathered but yeah keen to learn more. Esam uh, would you mind just kind of giving a background to be engaged and, and what you guys do and, and the impact you're having? Yeah no I firstly appreciate you guys both having me on here um especially when it comes to like topics like this, where it can be a bit um, interesting, murky, kind of challenging as well. So when it comes to being engaged, ultimately our business is split into two sec sections now. So we have being engaged a sports marketing agency, which deals with athletes on their marketing and commercialization strategies, but also dealing with brands when it comes to their strategy and their ambitions to be able to market themselves through sports industry, whether it's through football, uh, tennis, uh, cricket, boxing, whatever it might be, we kind of help them enter into that space and bring those campaigns to life. And then the second sec sec section of it is, which is Hyphen Studios, which uh, Dan will know that we recently launched in, what, four or five weeks ago now. So we always had a production team within the Be Engaged sphere. And ultimately there's only so far you can go from a creativity and um, marketing point of view when within sports so we set up hyphen studios for them to separate out of being engaged into their own entity where they can work with a whole host of different industries but away from just sports um so yeah being engaged was, is that sports marketing agency working with athletes and brands when it comes to communicating campaigns into the sporting audience but ultimately when i'm relating it back to the athlete side of things our whole ethos is humanizing athletes so what we mean by that is human first athlete second so these are people they have ambitions they have feelings they have thoughts they have ideations about more than just and i know we'll kind of like dive into it a little bit more but our core ethos is about humanizing those athletes so that's where we sit in the market is that um yeah i think i think it's a really good point because yeah we often see athletes as this kind of machine and i think that's been really relevant this season actually where players have been kind of stretched to the limit and they're almost being treated as kind of machines in this kind of entertainment circus that, that we all enjoy. But um, in, in terms of the athletes and brands that you work with, was there a feeling that 
uh, actually the human side of athletes isn't coming out and they're, you know, maybe through Twitter, they're only able to do 140 characters of like great win on the weekend, but not really kind of express their personality. So it, it was that kind of frustration that, that they've had. Yeah, I think athletes have always had the frustration that the biggest mouthpiece that they were given pre-social media was the press. And they've yeah. never had a great relationship with that, whether that's yeah. through club, national team or direct with press. It's, it's never been a relationship. Now, um, on that on that topic itself, I don't think journalism or the press have evolved too well with that space, especially when it comes to traditional press. So I put out a tweet um, the other day about Jurgen Klopp's response to Jeff Shreves. And Jeff asked him a terrible question, which was about his title challenges. And it's the first time I've seen someone actually react to a mundane question with, you ask me this all the time, I don't know what you're expecting me to say. And Jeff answered it for him. So people latched onto Klopp and said, well, why is he acting like this? It's arrogant, it's this, it's that. It's not, it's because he's asking him a pointless question. Mm -hmm. He's got a pointless answer back. It's the first time we're now starting to see managers as well. So then ultimately, when you break it down to the players, their mouthpieces are their social media channels. It's them direct to consumer, essentially, right? Direct to fan, engaging in the way that they want to be heard, the way that they want to be seen, the way that they want to communicate to their fans. Now, post-match interviews are boring. You then go to the player's social media channel and you will see a difference into what you just saw on the TV speaking in front of that mic. It's largely because they've got the press officer or the communications director standing right next to them ready to pounce on them and say you're not meant to say this you're not meant to do that but you go to your own social media you control that that's you that's your voice and it's that ability for them to be able to do those different things and i think we're starting to see it more and more which there was a generation that was brought up on social media which is the 25 26 27 year olds at the moment that play in the game look at the way that they engage with social media compared to those of 20, 25, 26, 27, or five, six, seven years ago, they weren't the generation that were brought up on social media. This is the generation that we are now seeing, and that is changing the way football football engages with culture, football engages with social problems, um, political problems, or whatever it might be. There's so many different problems in our world, and we're now seeing athletes at the forefront of it. It's because they're given a voice that they can actually control and talk about, and I think those like the Marcus Rashford's of this world, the Hector Bellerin's of this world, they're the ones that are able to go out and speak about things or in a, in a way that they weren't able to before. So trying to do something through a club, you're only talking to your club. You're not talking to a whole different layer or ecosystem of football fans. You're just talking to, I play for Manchester United or I play for Tottenham, whoever it is. I can only speak to those fan, fan groups. Now what we've got is, we now see replies in player channels. I support Tottenham, but I like, I really like what you stand for. And it's fans going out of the way from oppositions. Like we're talking about Tottenham fans, Arsenal fans. I see it all the time. I support Tottenham, hate you on a pitch because you play for Arsenal, but I stand for everything that you talk about and kind of like your values of it. And I think you see that with Manchester United, like Liverpool fans love what Rashford's doing. City fans love what Rashford's doing. The entire country loves what Rashford's doing. It's because of him as a human and the human behind that football and that football is just using their platform. That's ultimately what, what they're doing to communicate a message that previously they weren't able to do. Mm -hmm. So I think that's kind of been the frustration before, but now you see the shift. And I think I, I recently um, got very close with like David Ornstein and the thing that 
brought my him to my attention was the way that he interviewed um a client around environmental issues this was a time when he was at bbc not even at the athletic and it was he came he came with a purpose and it was journalism at its finest where he's talking about an issue that is close to that person and it turns out from a five minute interview to a 35 minute interview because they're not talking about football they're not talking about mundane things that they everyone knows what the answers are going to be uh what's your ambitions for the season everyone's going to say we'll take game by game every like all three of us on here could literally do a press conference for players because we know what the answer is going to be talk to them about what they care about and they will open up to you and ultimately that's what um some of the platforms that have been able to do that like the sport bibles of the world the sports of this world like those media entities which are digital first and social first they have to tap into culture they're able to tap into like the core person behind the athlete and i think you see a shift from a media landscape from a broadcaster landscape and also from like a social media landscape very cool um just one thing well before we keep going with the questions is obviously for everyone watching and listening um, any questions that you you have for s please put them in the the chat and we'll as we keep going we'll uh, we'll try and answer some of the um the the, the good ones s from from your perspective as well i know we've we've worked together for a while and we're sort of going over some um ground that we've already covered to a degree but you know when you um talk about um the sort of safe space of um post and pre-match interviews and you know there's definitely that appetite i think and i think it extends because of the usual type of vanilla answer that players give in part because of training but in part i presume also because they are concerned about um uh, an unwavering approach to, to to a message which could be construed slightly differently and that's why almost a controlled approach to their own social media of handled correctly providing that direct message gives more comfort and more authenticity and all the types of things that you want to encourage in terms of values when, for example, I know we're going a little bit off track, but when, for example, you were doing that um, documentary with Hector, um, um, with Hyphen, on the, um, uh, uh, that was streamed on YouTube, lots of the interesting conversations that I had off the back of it were sort of like, it was really refreshing that, um, you, know, you know, an elite sports person was, was thinking at the time about documenting that journey from, you know, right after it happened to sort of rehab recovery and the difficult stages that happened as a result. Um, it's obviously becoming more common, but in terms of the, the backgrounds to it, was that something that, that you and Hector were talking about quite a lot as and when that happened? Or, how, you know, how did you get across that message to be like, this is what we're going to do now? Because it couldn't have been an easy time either. Yeah, and no, I think um funny enough about three or four months before he actually got injured we were just discussing around what's the next layer or the next level to be able to give fans that insight or educate an audience in a different way we at the time felt that we'd got to a point where we've changed the way that some football fans see athletes we've seen we tried to change perceptions around footballers being interested in clothes or fashion or something else or something else, whatever it might be. Ultimately, what we wanted to do was get to a point where we can take it to the next level. At that time, we didn't know what that next level was because it's very difficult for for athletes to be able to do those different things because their profession requires so much time, attention, craft and dedication towards it. That To remain at that, that top 1% or 1% is very difficult, so you can't distract 
and take that focus away as, as much as so many people do think that players do do that they don't i've never come across a player that has literally got distracted because mm-hmm. of football um, because of something else away from football they're so dedicated towards their sport that you they'll literally sacrifice anything and everything for that one percent so it was ultimately a question that was raised four months prior to it and the night he got injured um me and albert his agent were were at the game and we had to go downstairs go to the dressing room and kind of like take him take him home and i remember in the car that we all know what he's like and we all know that you have to distract him away from a big problem that faces him there and then if you kind of leave him in that state we were so worried about the mental state that would go with that individual because that person has lost everything that they can possibly do in that moment right they can't do what they've kind of like set up to do in life so we were thinking just in the car in terms of what to do in bits and pieces got got home i think you just had to like come to reality with what was going on and then we spoke about okay let's start vlogging it first let's just start vlogging your thoughts your feelings and everything around it to give an insight into the mind of an athlete in this moment because ultimately we could sit there as two three people in the living room and say all we wanted to say but it doesn't actually translate that across a social media post through words is never going to translate that across so we really wanted to give an insight into what fans wanted to do and i always say to, to like hector is that if it wasn't for his mentality and his openness to be able to do these things and kind of challenge himself and kind of put him into like an uncomfortable p- position talking to people about what has just happened it would never happen mm. and i always said to him like throughout the vlogging process like that that was phase one don't sugarcoat it don't kind of try to put a spin on it when it's that it doesn't need to be done tell it how it is whether it's good whether it's bad you just say it how it is and we'll review it afterwards because in that moment we're not live streaming it we're just recording it and so we'll see how you feel tomorrow it's always one of those things do it sleep on it we'll reflect it in the morning came to the morning we were like right okay cool actually do you know what this will be so insightful to so many people across the world it may help people it may inspire people it may just give an insight into people but the one thing that we decided to do was let's just capture everything i'd be lying if we sat here and went we decided to make a documentary on that night it wasn't we literally just went let's just capture anything and everything and see where we land and soon the months started to go by we then had the surgery were able to get inside the theater doctors were so good they all understood why we were doing this we kind of told them actually this isn't just a road to come back thing this is a proper we want to give an insight into everything that goes on and it was only really i would say the summer of 2019 about june july that um charlie who directed it and kind of helped bring our vision to life we were sitting there in the office i went to okay let's just do this let's just go through all the rushes and when we mean rushes we're talking about six months worth of rushes so we sat there for a couple of days literally just going through everything and the realization started to hit that actually we've got something that netflix could never get amazon could never get because we've watched amazon's documentary with man city at that point and it was vanilla in the best way of putting it which is it just touched the surface it didn't really dive into much so we were like right actually called you know what we've actually got something here which is quite valuable in a sense of from a content point of view 
So let's start formulating a storyline. The storyline is quite obvious. Player gets injured, player comes back. But what is it, everything in between, that is going to keep people gripped from the point of injury to the point of return? And it was Charlie that then came up with the idea of actually, we've got all these other facets to this entire storyline which aren't football related, which aren't um, just pitch related. They're talking about mentality, we're talking about family, we're talking about support structures, we're talking about life away from football, we're talking about the ups, the downs, the, the physical. There are so many different ingredients to this entire part that we were working with that we got to a point where we were like, right, okay, let's make this a series. It moved away from a long film to a series based off a strategy that at the time the vlogs were doing very well on YouTube. So it was like, actually, do you know what? YouTube is the platform that works really well for us because it's bite-sized content, put it into 20-minute formats. At the time, we were very much targeting people that were commuting. So it was very much, okay, if people are commuting, they can quickly download this, watch it 20-minute bursts on the tube, train, whatever it might be, rather than having to sit there and watch an hour and a half long thing. So it was actually at that moment when we started to realize what we have rather than right at the start to here's what we need to build out. So luck happened along the way in terms of how many people allowed us to have access, how many people were seeing the vision that we were seeing. But ultimately it was summer 2019, six months into the filming or his rehab journey that we started to realize it. And one thing I want to make clear on that as well is that we actually only needed Hector for two hours of his time throughout the entire two-year period, which was just the narration and the interview part. The rest of it, we're just fly on the wall. Mm-hmm. Nothing nothing was staged. Nothing was, oh, please do that because it'll make it look better. It was ultimately just there. Every day was just documented. And we only needed two hours of his time because I got asked this by the club. You must have needed so much of his time to do this. I was like, not really. He was doing it anyway. It just happened to be that a camera was there to kind of record it only needed two hours of his time so it kind of worked out all in all yeah I, I think the key thing um that comes out of that is um is the kind of capturing the human element I think and this is a question so Emma Louise Clark dropped the question kind of stole the question from me I think historically if you think back I don't know maybe 20 15 20 years historically you would try and create a brand around an athlete but now it feels like the, the the brands are much more authentic that the athletes because maybe they don't have the distrust of the press so they can they can kind of speak directly to their to their fans but how how do you ensure that the athletes brand is credible and is authentic as opposed to something that feels a bit manufactured because there would be a lot of people cynically looking at footballers and thinking oh you just want to come across well because you earn a lot of money and, yeah. and actually you're actually a bit of a prick or whatever yeah and no, i think it's quite easy to see through the ones that are manufacturing it it's not to say that there aren't any that aren't yeah manufacturing the reality is there are then that flip side to that coin is there are so many athletes out there that their brand is built off of them as a person and i think fundamentally it needs to be you as a person express yourself and then the team around you will help polish that and kind of direct it into the right directions because no one athlete whether you're lebron james whether you're Marcus Rashford or whoever you are, you cannot do everything by yourself. So you can have the idea. It's ultimately being like a CEO of a company. You have the idea and the team brings it to life. A CEO can't have the idea, bring it to life, execute it and deliver it to the standard that it needs to be done. 
the same way a player can't do it themselves. So having that support structure around you to be able to guide you and be able to push you in the right direction based off of your values and your beliefs. So the the thing that I always say is one thing that you say on social media has to be the same thing that you say elsewhere. It has to be the same thing that you, if you get asked on the street, you answer the same thing. It's not because you're engineered to say those things. It's because that's what you believe in. If you don't believe in something, it's the same way a company has values, ethos, beliefs, whatever. If you don't believe them, you at some point cut a corner and that corner that you cut will send the house of cards tumbling down. It's very easy for someone in the public limelight to get caught out very, very easily. If you're um, fighting for the environment or whatever and you're doing X, Y, and Z and it goes totally against it, it doesn't make sense, right? But having that core belief has to come from the athlete. It can't be me telling you, Dan, you have to stand for the cause behind the 13 brand. It has to has to be you coming up with that right and coming to the team and saying, I believe this, or I feel like we need to do more on this, or that's that's it, that's an injustice. Whatever it might be, it has to come from the, the athlete themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I think uh, probably the, the number one phrase an athlete wants to avoid is being called a hypocrite. And if you're doing something that, um, yeah, that you're that you kind of truly believe in, you'll you won't fall into that trap basically um what um uh, one thing i noticed about being engaged is that you you seem very hot on sustainability and um and yeah and, and just kind of i guess being a more kind of um socially conscious business yourselves and therefore aligning yourself with brands and, and athletes that um are you know have the same set of values is that is that a trend that you've noticed over the last four or five years that you've been well and longer that you've been in the space or is it um is it something that um is is a kind of key differentiator for you how, how do you see that that panning out yeah and no, i think when it comes to values or beliefs i think everyone's had them I, it's not necessarily a time frame or a change in a decade or whatever it might be that people just suddenly start to have values they've always been there but i think people have always been scared to talk about them especially in sport is there's always a elephant in the room or there's always someone ready to say something back to you. Oh, why are you interested in that? Or why is it got to be like this? Because us as a company, like you mentioned about it, we've never worked with a betting brand and we never will because we're so against gambling being in, in the sport. Now we work with Stephen Corker and working with Stephen Corker is not because of, um, him being in the Turkish league or whatever it might be, it's because of everything that he's been through. His values align with ours. He wants to eradicate gambling within sport. We want to eradicate eradicate gambling in sport. The the mission and the direction and the vision that we all want to go down is so aligned in the sense that everything that I believe and I say and the team say, he he thinks the same thing. So working with athletes that align is so fruitful because the, the, it's just a, a collection of humans coming together to fight for something. Now, I put, again, I put out a tweet a couple of weeks ago about Arsenal and how they were incentivizing fans on a super boost with their betting partner. And I called it out. I got a text off of someone to say, if you want to work with football clubs, I suggest you don't outwardly talk about these things. But that's the mentality. The mentality is 
don't talk about these things because you won't be able to work with someone or you won't be able to do that. I'd rather not work with them because I couldn't care less if we work with them or not. It's largely because we'd rather stay true to our values because people that align with us will align align with us. Now, when it comes to players and their values and their beliefs, they're feeling more confident. They have more, I guess, trust in in the population now, the people, the those people that they can engage with, especially the younger generations that are coming through. They're far more aware of um, so many issues in our world that maybe generations gone by brushed it off so they're they're the ones the most they're the ones that are coming through and kind of standing for it and i think it's those type of social movements or um causes or whatever it might be that athletes are now starting to feel a bit more braver i guess is a way of putting it to say that actually i stand for this i'll do that now when i just spoke about the betting brands i know three of our clients have told their clubs do never use my image in a betting advert because they're so against it as well. That's not because we're against it and we've taught them to be against it. That's just because of life that they've lived and experienced. They're now against it because ultimately people feel scared. It's so easy to have a thought in your head and it will never come out of your mouth because you're so afraid of what someone else will say. And I, I know I've spoken to Dan about this so much about I don't like the way the industry is in the sense of everyone's just too nice to each other. Everyone will say something that they think the other person wants to hear without actually saying the truth. They'll just get pushed into something. And it's be true to yourself. And I think that's where athletes are now starting to really be true to themselves when it comes to their values, their beliefs, to be able to say to their club, no, don't use me in that. I think Mustafi was one of the first ones at Valencia to say, move that beer bottle away from my press conference table. And it's, it was the first, I think it was the first time that people started to say, why is he talking about this? It's like, well, actually, it's his religious beliefs that he, he doesn't want to ever be associated with alcohol. So remove that away from it. And it was, I think that was kind of an instigator to athletes starting to say, actually, do you know what? We don't need to do that because so-and-so tells us to do this. I stand for this. I'm not being involved or associated with that. So I think, yeah, really more and more people in sport are now starting to have voice their values and their beliefs, whereas maybe they just didn't in days gone by. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, S. And um, I'm sort of conscious that the half an hour has almost gone very, very quickly. So thank you for that, just because it's great to to hear. And um, the last thought that I had, and it was just something that sort of was brewing as I was listening to you speak, was that, you know, it, it feels that actually what, what is happening now, if it's from Rashford or Sterling or uh, Hector and others, is... But, you know, in a way, I almost think that through technology in lots of different ways that, you know, the high profile athletes are now sort of broadcasters and, and as broadcasters of whatever message that they feel appropriate. And they then and because of the audience that therefore follows them as a result. Um, I think from a hopeful perspective, they feel and quite rightly so that they are vehicles for positive change. And I, I think that's actually the real, quite um, emphatic sort of democratization of, uh, of stuff, which is you can see the positive change that high profile individuals have been. So you have a blurring of the lines between influencers. I don't mean influencers in the very narrow word of the way, but influencers in terms of the people that you see in your daily life, hear, watch, read and do. And that ability to make change 
is a very empowering message. And I think that is almost what, what seems to have been the case in this last little bit of time, especially. Yeah, no, I think it's, it's spot on everything that you said. And I think it's largely because maybe people are taking footballers more seriously. I don't know what it is. There, there's definitely been a shift the same way the shift happened in the States about five years ago where the athletes almost had enough and it was almost actually change needs to happen. We moan about it. Let's actually do something about it. And I was having this conversation with someone else back in the summer. I don't think personally taking in the knee would have ever happened if it wasn't for Premier League footballers and EFL footballers actually standing up and voicing their their disgust and their concerns around this. Ultimately, it was largely, in my belief, led by the players to say, we're done with this because otherwise, why wouldn't a Premier League or the FA or anyone else done more about this? No one can do something that will eradicate it. That's at the moment, it seems impossible, right? But they did something to raise the awareness of social injustice. Now you see it with players around the racism they're coming out and they're saying it straight away they're outing people whereas years ago I remember people used to say oh that happened to me but they wouldn't post about it now whether it's right or whether it's wrong to screenshot and put those comments out there I think that's a debate in itself but they're doing it and they're basically showcasing to people that we are genuine as soon as you do that you can influence people I think coming back to Omar's point that some people fabricate the way that their thoughts are whatever those people aren't going to influence anyone because it's quite shallow those that are generally standing for something you can see it because they'll talk about it they'll put themselves on the front line ultimately to say this is what we think this is not right or whatever it might be and you can influence people when you actually put yourself out there no i think it's a, a great um final thought um omar anything to finish on no, no, really fascinating. I think, uh, yeah, give us for another half hour. I think, um, yeah, the whole, whole fact that, you know, athletes and brands are now trying to be a lot more authentic and less manufactured about the way that they put their voice out there. I think it's a, it's a really interesting shift and it means that, and I think as a fan of the sport, it's, it's really welcomed. And so I think clearly the work that you guys are doing is, is, great and I, I kind of look forward to seeing more of what you do but really really interesting to learn more about it yes, thanks for, uh, yeah thanks for coming on and hopefully um you'll come on again because i think there's a whole other conversation that we haven't really had around uh, image rights boot deals commercial stuff content there's, there's tons of things so um yeah if you'll allow us maybe we'll uh, put another date in the diary uh, sometime soon too yeah no that's all good to be fair i thought it was an hour so that's why maybe I took a bit longer than that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good problem. Nice. <laughs> Thanks, no worries. Cheers, guys. Thanks very much. Thanks, Asa. Bye. Thanks for listening. You can follow me on Twitter, TikTok and Instagram at Football Law. Read my blogs and listen to my previous podcasts via my website, danielg.com forward slash blogs. Please do subscribe to the Dundeal Football Podcast. Like share and tag me if you like the content if not my voice you'll probably also like my book done deal an insider's guide to football contracts multi-million pound transfers and premier league big business a bit of a mouthful it's available to buy in hard copy digitally and via audible all links are in the podcast show notes
Lastly, the podcast is powered by 13, which is a fashion brand I've started. All proceeds go towards cancer charity research, and particularly the stellar work done by John Krell, who has helped my mum through some difficult times over the last few years. You can take a look at the merch and hopefully buy a t-shirt, hoodie, cap, or all three. Please do spread the word and go to 13shop.co.uk. That's 13shop.co.uk. Thanks for listening.